Today on Surely You're Joking, we have guest Ori Amir, who's a comedian and a neuroscientist, and he's going to tell us about how he actually measured the brains of comedians to scientifically discover what makes us funny. We're also going to talk about news from Juno, neurobrain DNA issues, and we're going to talk about how Jimmy's career is taken off like crazy. Uh, with me today is co-host Griff Pippen. Hey, Griff. Hey. Follow Griff at... Uh, Griff Pippen and what do you what do you go by? <laughs> What's your Twitter? Just at Griff Pippen on all the social medias. Okay, yeah. yeah. Join his massive following of oh, five or six people. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy is filming a movie. He like literally is like, dude, I'm filming like eight movies right now. He's killing it. Uh, eighteen actually. Eighteen movies. Yeah, all at the same. He doesn't time. even remember the movies he's filming. He's like, oh yeah, I did that with Will Ferrell. I totally forgot. Right, right. Um, I am. KPH on Twitter. Yeah, you don't need to follow that. No, don't follow that. Uh, send me questions as always. I love hearing from fans of the podcast. If you want me to talk about something on the show, let me know. And please welcome to the show, Ori Amir. Hey, Ori. <laughs> Shalom. Mazel tov. L'chaim. Mazel tov. L'chaim. <laughs> Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. How long have you been doing comedy? Five years. And you, you were in Israel five years ago, or you came here and started it? Um, I came here and started it, yeah. I okay. started when I was, did the PhD at USC. So. But is, they, is they there have a, comedy in is Israel. Is there a scene right? there? Yeah. Um, there is, I didn't know about it at the time and I might, you know, if I visit, I'll try to, to see what's going on, but I'm, I'm not planning on, I, I like, I think English is a good language for comedy to begin with. What, what do you think defines an Israeli sense of humor? Cause they're known to be tough people. Does that interact with the humor there? It depends upon, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of jokes about different you know, different um, segments of the population, or uh, it's not—it's not terribly different from American humor, uh, but it's just slightly less funny, basically. So, <laughs> would you do you do you think it would be acceptable for a comedian in Tel Aviv to make jokes about the conflict going on over there, or would that be like, oh, it's too touchy? Uh, depend, I'd say depending upon what what the uh, ultimate sort of opinion that it. Definitely, definitely, you can definitely, definitely make jokes about the conflict, but uh, but if you take the wrong side, then the joke doesn't get a laugh. It's a good question. I haven't been there in a while. Um, I probably your jokes wouldn't land, Griff. I mean, they don't land anywhere. Yeah, so that doesn't really matter what country I'm in. Uh, I mean, I missed three episodes of the bomb in Romania, so I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you are uh, the reason I invited you on because you are also like me. You have a PhD. You're a scientist. Can you tell us a little bit about? Your science and comedy background? Yeah, so I've, I've um, basically learned cognitive neuroscience at USC. I've done my PhD there on that. Um, PhD in neuroscience? Uh, cognitive neuroscience. Basically, uh, we look at what, what activity in the brain correlates with different types of cognitive processes. I love the look on uh, Griff's face. Like, <laughs> you know where this is going. No, no, no shut up. Shut the f- God. Whoa. No, 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 no. I Do just, my brain's that? like, my brain's like, oh, I can't wait to talk about psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you give psychedelics to mice ever? 
Um, not your, yet. For your thesis? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not Occasionally for work. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually do it at home for fun. Yeah. Occasionally, <laughs> Rod, that's crazy. still my psychedelics, but it's uh, not intentional. <laughs> I dress as a mouse and give myself psychedelics. <laughs> All right, I had a pet mouse and two pet mice a while ago, and um, we gave them these... You know, you've, You've probably seen mice when they, they, they make little nests, right? Mm. Like, I guess they do yeah. that in real life, but they do it in captivity, too. They make a little nest for themselves, and they, they'll re, they'll rearrange everything in their... It's kind of adorable. Yeah, it is. It is. They make these little beds, and then they all snuggle Aww. together. Yeah. Um, but for fun, we gave them these little pieces of cardboard, and they, like, kind of turn them into little pieces, and they lay them down. And we were, like, really impressed that they would always very carefully line them up in a, like, in a very specific pattern. So we... For fun, we uh, I just drew some colored symbols on it, you know, wow. just like different patterns, and it blew my mind because they they took the they took them and they were like more excited about these things because they had that, and they flipped the writing was only on one side, and they flipped each one and they like made a little art gallery huh. of their little sleeping space, and they had the the colored writing on each side, up like that. So um, yeah, if we uh, slice this brain open, what would what would we learn about <laughs> wow. Griffith? <laughs> I know. Uh, we should. We have to try and uh, before. So, so I did. I did study. I did study comedians' brains to like to see what goes on. No in, way! Yeah. Really? Oh, that's awesome. No, they're just oh. messed up, aren't they? Like oh, literally wow. the science of comedians. That's yeah, well, I try to combine the passions. Uh-huh. You know, I try to make sense of the fact that I do both things. So. You see a big area of childhood trauma, <laughs> and then comedy. Comedy comes from that same area. <laughs> Did you put like uh, comedians in MRIs or anything like that? FMRI? No way, really. Yeah, yeah. I should have wow. done that. Who do we this. know? These are these big comedians. Um, I mean, the, the people I'm, I'm allowed to mention. So, so, of course, it's it's supposed to be like anonymous or whatever. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, you know, I, t- I got some people from the ground links. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention, but and then and then I took some stand-ups uh, like Shane Moss and Matt Kirshen are the two that allowed me to friend of the show now shane just did an hour on doing psychedelics uh oh, yeah. I, I think he was, he was talking about recording on it because uh yeah he's a lot of comedians there you know and um <clears throat> what's his name uh glasses mitch hedberg used to perform on mushrooms all the time that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah matt had a great week actually he uh oh. have you did you do his podcast probably science uh, they bagged a really great guest this week they got the big guy neil degrasse tyson oh no way give him a free shout out for that yeah he's one no. of my favorite comedians <laughs> i've done shane's podcast i haven't done uh, Matt. Matt's. oh you should yeah uh, that's great what did you notice when you studied comedians brains um, so I, I did compare compare comedians to to amateurs and controls, and uh, you know, like uh, basically there's there's regions in the temporal uh, in the temporal cortex where this is one of those high level regions where remote associations can converge meaningfully, and you see more activation there. Uh, the more uh, when you try to come up with something funny relative to something not funny, uh, uh, more activation there predicts how funny it's going to be. And you see more activation there, the more experience slash talent you have doing comedy. Oh, so that's awesome. That's, experience is related to talent, pretty much. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's hard to tease them apart, but uh, unless, unless you, you trust my judgment at, at picking uh, uh, open mic comedians that I think 
might make it in, in five years. So, Ooh, we should oh, do some nice. kind of bet and wager, <laughs> and then five years from now to see, like, you know, have some kind of measurement of success. And if they're like making a living at it, which is, you know, pretty awesome, if they can make a living as being a comedian, then we got to give you like some kind of prize or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, would, would it be, uh, imagine the future comedy where you only get booked based on the output of an fMRI scan. It's literally him. Know. He's the booker of yeah. all the clubs. It's like, no, don't send me a tape. I, I don't care. <laughs> no, tape we're going to worry. And he's <laughs> going to do a CAT <laughs> scan of your brain. And he liked how this uh, region was really red over here in your brain. <laughs> Griff, so Griff. You could CAT scan is not the same as MRI. MRI. Sorry. Just, FMRI. FMRI. Like, we don't care about the comedy tape. We want a noisier measure, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That way, you could, like, angrily get on stage and be like, no, I'm funny. The science says I'm funny. You guys just just don't get it yet. Comedians bombing. Look at this FMRI, you asshole. Look at this. None of you would get that much red in the temporal cortex. (laughs) Fuck all of you. I didn't want to try that out. That sounds great. That could be a funny sketch. (laughs) You're sitting here looking, scanning over, looking at the screen. You're like, yeah, we got a good one here. This is a headliner here, guys. We got a headliner right here. (laughs) Either this guy is wearing an earring that makes this noise, or this guy is a good comedian. One of the two. (laughs) Did anybody look at his ear? We're looking at the scanning here, and we see a lot of dad jokes in the uh, left region. So, no, I think we're going to pass on this guy. (laughs) Guys, uh, Jimmy has had an amazing week. So amazing he can't be on the podcast today. Um, his video went viral on uh, his Bloomberg video for Silicon Valley where he was playing the character Jin Yang. Went viral. It was number one on uh, our videos on Reddit. People are like recognizing him out of nowhere. Like I tell people about the podcast and they immediately like, oh, Jin Yang. Oh, my God. I love his character. Yeah. yeah. People are big. He's got a fan club going. Yeah. He's got fans. Uh. He's got. Yeah. Uh that's the upside. Downside is he's also doing two movies, and it's getting harder and harder to book him. He's so we'll get busy him. right now. We will, yeah. We will bend over backwards to keep him on the podcast. We will. If we have to fly to Malaysia with him <laughs> to, to record. Does yeah. that count as Mile High Club? Can huh? you do that? Does that count as Mile High Club if you record a podcast? No, no. Does that? All right. Not at all. <laughs> um, so... Your studies are important in coming out with new discoveries for psychiatrists to find out. Um, I don't know about that. I'd say it's more related to psych- psychology. Uh, psychology. I'm psychology, sorry. psychology. Yeah, the 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 neural basis of creativity perhaps uh, would be like the, the the more general field in which it. Oh, falls. I have an important question. Oh. Um, how do you distinguish the? markers of comedians did you do a control group of just regular self-loathing crazy people with crippling <laughs> yeah, depression? how did you do that did, because it, that that would be so highly correlated with comedians you would have to have like a group that you know like oh well i hate myself but i'm not funny that would you need that as a study group to see if their lobes are activated differently did see, see we had we, uh, most most I mean, successful comedians are typically very highly intelligent uh, I, oh, i'd say I know. yeah I'd say mm, uh, there's some exceptions to the rule. <laughs> so, so we had we had we had this control group graduate students uh, f- to control for that, but we haven't really controlled for uh, de- uh, uh, severe depression. So I mean, uh, yeah. it seems like comedians are bipolar. <laughs> the depression. Almost yeah. every comedian has an addiction problem, and yeah, the same reason that. they do comedy is the same reason that I don't I don't know how addiction oh, works. Like the brain, the brain is a chemical sure. imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you have an addiction problem. And you need that comedy to fill that void and get that dopamine up, right? Mm-hmm. Some, something along the lines of that? 
You need something to fill the space where your happy memories of your childhood and your parents. Well, your dopamine. I mean, comedians typically have a chemical imbalance in their brain, right? And and they have addiction problems, and they need to get on stage to f- to uh, raise their dopamine levels. Is that you not feel what that it way? is? Do you feel that way when you go on stage? Uh, I'm a surprisingly uh, reasonably happy person. I mean, I'm not. Li- um, oh yeah, yeah I'm this obsessive. isn't the right business uh, for you. I, I'm, I have some <laughs> some neurosis, or I used to have at least some neurosis. Uh, so so you know, uh, which I mostly got over. But uh, I think depression is not one of my. But do you get a rush when you go on stage? Like a. I mean, uh, I sure do. I, I love it. As, as in, yeah, I mean, as, as in excitement. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there is, it wouldn't make any sense for me to do it otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Validation, whatnot. Yeah. Validation that your parents didn't give you as a child. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons. You don't just get into comedy because you're like a super happy person and it sounds fun. You do it because right. you're... I think you do almost any art form, or well, at least comedy. Not all art forms, but you're you're kind of filling a void, and you're filling the the lack of dopamine in your brain. Like I, I you know, I guess depression it naturally is a like a lack of dopamine production in your brain. Is that it's partly ser- true? Isn't serotonin? Serotonin. Uh, sorry, serotonin. It's something to do, but uh, with there is there is a abnormality in serotonin uh, activity in the brain for depressed individuals. I know that that uh, taking uh, substances that increase serotonin activity help depression of course like prozac and so on but ssris uh, and yeah whatnot. yeah selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors i mean so i've heard that's correct <laughs> we're like this man is correct <laughs> we're like mdma i don't know if you've ever taken mdma um i've taken uh, mushrooms and things of that nature i haven't i don't think i've taken mdma oh uh, yeah i just saw a news somewhere. article actually about mushrooms that said mushrooms are the safest drug uh, illegal drug well they prescribe it to a lot of people with ptsd and a lot of people with serious trauma and it's one of the few things that can help um from what i've heard uh, help fight depression and, and PTSD in a lot of people. And uh, psilocybin, the drug in, in mushrooms, is also an SSRI, or it's a, at least an Stimulate SSRI. Stimulate serotonin production? Yeah, it, it stops uh, serotonin reuptake. It's kind of a convoluted process. It, it, um, here it is in Popular Science. It's a, The name of the article is... Uh, Magic mushrooms are the safest drug, but they're yeah. still illegal. Well, well the safest um, and most powerful. Because... I'll tell you a story. I took too much one time. Just to, I'd like to challenge my brain. <laughs> I took eight times the normal amount, which if anyone listening has taken mushrooms, they know, wow, one time you can think of some pretty crazy stuff. And I thought I had stage four cancer and was going to, I had a week to live. I started crying. I was going to call my oh. parents and family and tell them like, I'm sorry, I have a week to live. I accepted the fact that I was going to die and I had a week to live. I was so sure of this. That it was as if a doctor, right? You go to a doctor, he says, we're so sorry you have cancer, you have a week to live. And I have four other doctors telling me. That's how sure my brain was that I was going to die in a week. And then I came out of that. Um, That was traumatic for a few hours, but I came out of it. And from now on, I value my life so much. I I realize how lucky we are to be here. So I'm like, that was the worst case scenario. And it changed me for a positive way. And I appreciate life. And I think I'm a lot happier because of that mushroom trip. I genuinely think I'm a happier person because I see how precious life is. Like from a scientific standpoint, like what are the chances we're conscious beings and this earth and this giant universe, you know, like what are the chances? Not very good. So that's pretty... Lower than 45%. Yeah. (laughs) 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 That's good. 
Yeah, so I'm like, the mushrooms helped me realize like how precious life really is. So was that your? No, your he's like, I doc- don't care about was anything. Was that actually you just your said. doctorate thesis? Was with the comedians? Yeah, that's that, awesome. that was a major part of it. Oh, I should have read it before. Oh man. Yeah, Kev, I, come on. I'm close. I'm so close to he finishing my He never researches our guests or even no, cares just, about them. I'm just like, I'm trying to finish <laughs> my paper. It's gonna finish tomorrow. I swear to God, and uh, get it sent in. I don't understand I focus, how this focus, postdoc focus. stuff works. He's not even working for Caltech anymore, and he still has to do a paper. <laughs> like, that sounds like a raw deal. If you ask well, me. now when you consider that being a postdoc is almost like not being paid anyway, slavery is so yeah. really not very it's like much slavery. Difference. Yeah, in fact, it's a little liberating because it's like I don't have to do what my boss asks me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you, still call him my boss on accident. It's like, no, we're colleagues now. So yeah. it's just like, we, look, we both want the paper to get done. It's important. Uh, so hmm. it's going to be exciting. Actually, we also have a, I, I got to write a, uh, I have like four big papers coming out. Um, one of them I wrote a press release for, and I'll talk about it when it comes out, but it was on the Neutron Lifetime. Actually, they got our paper got selected to. Neutron uh, Lifetime. Totally. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I wish Broussard were here. What? But Neutron <laughs> Lifetime <laughs> sounds like a hipster band on the neutrino, <laughs> da- neutrino noise floor. <laughs> totally. The Neutron Lifetime like sounds a folk like a band to me. It, it does. They yeah. all play banjos. Right. And right. They're, they're on the <laughs> side. Mellow, they're physicists, yeah. but they just play banjos on the side. <laughs> Just <laughs> Neutron the Lifetime. Neutron Lifetime. Oh, yeah. man. Did you see Neutron Lifetime last mm-hmm. night? Oh, dude, they shredded on Cletus those Cletus Brown and the Neutron Lifetimes. Oh, <laughs> my God. You nailed that. Cletus Brown and the Neutron Lifetimes. I'm making bumper stickers. So we just... Some of these science terms sound like hipster band names to us. And there's something he talked about in his field called the Neutrino Noise Floor. And I was like, that sounds like a club <laughs> in Silver Lake that would have hipster bands go play there. Every now and then he says something, a science term like, that sounds like a hipster band. So Cletus Brown and the Neutron Lifetime. What if you take those bands and you um, make scientific theories out of that? So you start you with take the, band names and then yeah. oh, <laughs> in the reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds great. Okay, there's a band <laughs> named um, Neutral Milk Hotel, which is pretty good. <laughs> cool. That could be. A, uh, you know about the Neutral, Neutral Milk, Milk Hotel, Hotel theory? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I hope I hope Neutral Milk Hotel is listening because we're going to change your band name into Science Theory. So when people Google you for shows, they won't be able to find you. They're just going to find Science Theory. So. <laughs> Did you want to look for them on Google Scholar? As a- <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like some sort of like classification of memory cells or something. Neutral milk hotel. It's like yeah. a struck yeah, art. Maybe not. Well, yeah. hey, listen, you'd be send in your suggestions at hashtag <laughs> neutral milk hotel. We're gonna take their hashtag <laughs> and ruin their band's <laughs> career and turn it into science. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be great. Everybody tag neutral hotel. Neutral. We're just promoting yeah, the shit out of their band right, right. now. They're gonna be. Like, Why is everyone saying this? It has to do with uh, the excretion of clam juice. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, I feel like for for scientists, for all of us scientists who become performers, and need, there need to be an equal amount of performers to become scientists. So yeah, I feel like I, yeah, I, that, that I, need, I do yeah. totally agree. Uh, I think it's helped me a lot with um, giving talks and and re- actually, I got invited to write this uh, press release just because I think from working on the show actually because because oh. the whole problem is like everyone else was writing their suggestions, but they're all the editor was just like, whoa, this, this you can't be that specific it was like yeah. it's too specific it was too technical 
Um, and I'm used to using really small words to describe things because I have to talk to Griff and he asks me questions like, he'll say like, why is the... Why is the universe round? I mean, I get the Earth's <laughs> I did not round. Ever ask that. I get the Earth's round. I get that. I'm not one no, of those it's weirdos. Flat, according to Shaq, I know. Mm-hmm. You're like, I, I'm not like one of those weirdos like Shaq and and uh, and Alex Jones or whoever else thinks that. Oh, Alex Jones. Um, I know that the Earth is round, but why is the universe round? You know, he asked me stuff like that. I just found some hipster names that will <laughs> turn to science theories. Uh, uh, let's see: gla- gla- glass animals, aerials, pink haunted graffiti. <laughs> Local natives, petite biscuit. Uh, we've got. Uh, they always. It sounds like they do really hard though to put in one word just to make it not sound scientific. You know what yeah, I mean? The whitest boy alive. That'd be a tough one to spend. Craft spells. Uh, cage the elephant. Grizzly bear. Uh, there's some good ones. M83. The shins. Fantagram. Hmm. Empire of the sun. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. All right. I think it might work the other way around better. We could come mm. up with. We could write a band name generator that's just with with science terms. That it has could be to be a science fun. term. Yeah. An adjective and then the noun, which is right. the science word. Yep. Yep. And you automatic make make the generator automatically buy all those domains. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just in case one goes viral <laughs> because Jimmy says, Hey, I like that one or he retweets and then suddenly a million people like it. <laughs> the perverted protons. <laughs> the perverted protons. <laughs> <laughs> For all our perverted listeners out there, <laughs> call back. <laughs> um, That's cool that you yeah. studied for your thesis. You studied comedians' brains. Yeah. What now? What have you found? The important. This probably isn't really something you studied for your thesis. Like he has that. Like for those of you who haven't been tuning in, <laughs> talking about. did I say that? I'm getting all. No, but you were like, so you study comedians' brains just to sum up what we. I know. We're I, I'm just trying to <laughs> steer the train back on the track. <laughs> um, uh, like, oh, you're talking about you study kind of creativity, and it's really interesting. There's a, a magazine I read about like where people are inspired creatively. Some are in the shower, some are on long walks, some are during sex. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if, if you heard of this. A lot of people get creativity like, during joke sex. ideas during joke oh, ideas. My God. Just, just creativity yeah. during that sex. Works. That yeah, sounds I have horrible. To, I have to, excuse me, I know, I know you're about to come, <laughs> but I need to write something down just now. Oh, my I, God. <laughs> that would lead to instant divorce, I think. Uh, yeah, you're sitting here like, oh, my God. I hate those guys that hang out in front of Whole Foods with clipboards and ruin your day. God, that's the worst. And you're like, nope, sorry, I got to go. Oh, except I do have that one that literally, yeah. All right. Too hot for the podcast. Too hot for the podcast. Everybody, I guess everybody gets their creativity from a different place, but kind of a group full of people talking and rolling ideas around like right now, kind of we're talking about this band idea, it kind of snowballs into an idea. I feel like that's where a lot of creativity comes from, don't you think? Um, that goes to... All right, all right, so I have a very long answer to that that is very scientific. <laughs> all right. But no, I, I like how you, you didn't prejudice your answer or anything. You just goes, don't you think that's right? You're going to validate me, right? Well, I'm just curious. I'm asking. I'm saying I, I might be I'm off sorry. on that. So, so that uh, that that what our result actually tells about the difference between professional comedians to amateurs and controls. So, the more the more experience you have doing comedy, the more you are like that. The more you tend to follow your uh, your your or to uh, to trust the flow of associations that to lead you to a funny place, uh, as opposed to try to top down direct it. And the way you see it is. Uh, 
part of it already, already told you, you see greater activation in the temporal regions. That's where the flow of associations is happening. The flow uh, of associations? Yeah, that leads to the funny uh, and less activity in the uh, medial prefrontal cortex, which is like the top-down direction of this process. The, the which one again? Uh, medial prefrontal cortex. Medial uh, prefrontal cortex. That is That could be a band. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually, that's a really good band name. <laughs> uh, so, so, so I think that's the, uh, the translation to neuroscience language to, of, of the advice they always give, get out of your head. So, um, so, so uh, how much of it is, is just from practice? I mean, is it, does practice makes pathways stronger or i mean is it like a muscle Sounds where like, you organize you know it's definitely it? an element of it and and I, I try to select the amateur comedians in such a way that they would have at least equal amount of talent given more practice so mm -hmm. i or, so, so you start at the open mic and everyone's like, well, I don't have any money and I jerk off a lot. It sounds like every open, that's every open mic joke. Is in <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> like nobody wants to hear that, dude. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm 22 and don't... You know. yeah, so I'm broke right now I'm and it's so hard to date in LA. <laughs> There's no direct correlation there or anything. <laughs> What's funny is you're making it funny. <laughs> We've never had that at home. <laughs> <laughs> mm. all right there was another news story i'm glad you're here to talk about it um i don't know if you looked into it i'll try and find it um they recently found out uh that neurons all have different dna did you see this this study I'm i trying have to find not all right give me a second to different expression of dna or different yeah, no, DNA? no okay here's the article it was in scientific american uh -huh. Sci uh, the title of the article scientists surprised to find that no two neurons are genetically alike this is a mind-blowing thing i have never heard anything like this this was published on may 3rd so this is like I, this is a huge discovery this is brown gr groundbreaking um, to you it's I, I think it's have <laughs> you heard yeah, it? i have not I, yeah, so. this is his field i mean i uh, I mean, I took some neuroscience in school, um, so you know, I looked into it. But There's this is this is a really big deal because to me, this is exciting because maybe there is more to the way neurons and memories are formed. Like, I, like I was always, t I think we were taught that it's all in the structure. You know, it's all the interconnections of the of the neurons that are connected to each other, and that physical form is what keeps the neuron memory there but this opens the possibility that maybe the some amount of information is stored in dna itself somehow like it uses that as a form of of uh you know recording device that goes beyond just the structure and if that's true i mean that uh, that could be really exciting I, yeah. I but it might be too early to say i mean it might be some other reason why it's yeah. different i mean it might be an element of it for sure uh, i don't know how significant uh, but I mean, it's, it's of course it's not that they have different DNA molecules. It's just that they express express different genes, I guess. Right. I, th I think they actually even have different ones. But I thought um, all the cells in the body have essentially. Well, the same. that's that was one of the opening mm. statements about it, is that neurons are the only. Well, they're not the only one. No, there's an exception. The immune system also has different genes in it, but that's because they're deliberately scrambled at mm. birth, and that's done on purpose to keep viruses from outpacing 
uh, like if you if you're if it if you just had a copy of the same genes in your immune system, Be viruses easier for the virus to attack. Yeah, viruses replicate much faster than humans, so a part of your immune system's job is to stay unpredictable. So there's some scrambling mm-hmm. of your mother and father's genes in order to keep the body it's amazing how complex and sophisticated nature can be well so this is why this is totally mind-blowing is uh the idea that neurons are doing this somehow i yeah i wish i had read about this more too um some of these days i'm gonna prepare more for the episode and really yeah bring it even hanging out with me too much (laughs) i think that means that you can have a brain child that is different than your actual child right like if you take uh cells from your brain as yeah oh weird yeah clone one of your neurons and it's just like all that one knows how to do is like play bongos (laughs) and it's just like weird it's just all you can do is play bongos So that's a pretty cool field. Like, your studies are going to come out, and I think, I mean, like, comedians, and, and, you know, there's always this talk about right brain versus left brain, and creativity versus logic, and comedy is not typically something people approach with logic in the left side of brain. Not that there isn't logic involved in jokes and joke writing, but... Um, maybe, maybe your studies and your research will allow us to have a scientific approach to the creative process of joke writing. What do you think? Well, uh, logic. I mean, I uh, you know John John Cleese. Uh, I, I think I think said that the uh, the class uh, in in the university that helped him most to write to write uh, the Monty Monty Python type sketches was uh, a class in logics. Uh, and, and you can see, see okay. that the sketches are very logically constructed. Right? Uh, I, I got to say, one of the, my pet peeves, and a lot of comedians hate to hear this, and I understand that, but I, can, I just cannot find jokes that are logically flawed funny. It and that's fair. A lot of people are that way. I think in, even though individuals might not feel that way, I feel like the best comedians don't make that mistake. Like that's a huge part of it. It's like Jim when jokes don't like, especially when you see a comedian confused that a joke didn't hit. I feel like a lot of times that's actually the root that's cause. True, that's it's just, true. It's, that's you true. know, there's some fraction of the audience just like that doesn't make sense, and it just you can't experience. That's true. Because all that's my jokes, happened. I'll run through a lot of jokes, and it's a numbers game. And a lot of them don't hit, and a lot of them I'll keep. And I'll go back and look at it, and like logically, there was a disconnection between the premise and the setup to where it didn't even add up, or there wasn't. And so sometimes that's, that's, somebody has to point it out to you. Yeah, to, that's, to that's, that's 100% true. So, um, by the way, so the, the, back to these cells for a second. Um, it's, they actually are mutated from your genes. So it really is a change huh. in the, the DNA, and it's a process called uh, somatic uh, mas- <laughs> masochism. And uh, that's just spontaneous mutation. It's a thing that uh, um, sex cells can do obviously because they pick out random pieces from your dna on purpose so that you have a scrambled baby but then (laughs) uh, some other cells do it too and it turns out that every single neuron does this so when a neuron is copied it it mutates on purpose really confusing um i'm really excited to see this get more interesting um maybe it's nothing maybe it has nothing to do with memory i don't know yet because i i'm just reading it now (laughs) Yeah. Uh, if it's just muted randomly, then it probably doesn't have to do with, with memory. With memory. Yeah. If if it mutates in a way that. Although that I gotta say, have you did did you do only the biology side, or did you do some of the the computer si- science side, like uh, neural networks or anything like that? 
I know, I know a little bit about that. I'm, I'm interested in artificial intelligence. And so, so a lot of artificial intelligence algorithms, one of the first things you have to do is randomize the system because uh, a lot of times, uh, most artificial intelligence systems, if they start out completely symmetric, they don't do right. anything yeah. um, because they all just react to the data exactly the same way. In some so, kind of equili equilibrium already. Right, yeah, they're like on a, on a metastable point. Mm -hmm. So I wonder- Metastable? Well, like, like not fundamentally stable, but um, awkwardly stable. Like a, an example would be balancing a pencil on your finger. So in real life, you can't do that. But in theory, if you, if you mathematically model a pencil on someone's finger and you make it mathematically perfect, you, you know, in theory, it just stays there because there's nothing wiggling it. The I think real you can do it in the equator, right? Like you can do it hold in the a pencil? Uh, I've seen I've seen like holding a, an egg on, on like a nail or something. You can do uh -huh. it on the equator, but if you go a foot from the equator, you, you can't. So wow. no way, really? Yeah, I've, I've seen this experiment. <laughs> yeah, I thought Kevin, you would know yeah. this. You're a physics guy. Come I on. don't know. I'm skeptical. There's this. Uh, you, huh. you of course know about the Coriolis force. There's these uh, these people that go on. They do they do this on purpose in in I think it's in Ecuador. They yeah. they have a it bucket of water and they like and they pour the water in to show that it spins one way on one side and then they move it over to the other side and it spins yeah. the other way. So, so saying it's, it's a scam. A, it's a, that is probably a scam. Yeah. Because I've been there. I've been in the place of this <laughs> crowd, yeah. and I've been telling people, "Oh, uh, did you know that if you go a foot away?" <laughs> and people believe. Yeah, so, and people believe it. Somebody sent it to me. It was like, "Can you explain this?" And I was like. Yeah, they're doing it on purpose, and so they're really good at it. Uh, and you can tell they just—it uh, takes very little force to pour the water, so that when you drain it, direction. Okay. Yeah, um, and it works because there's all these—you know, get crowds around. And everyone's like, "Whoa, <laughs> it's a magic trick!" <laughs> In real life, the Coriolis forces are the strongest, half like, roughly between okay, the North okay. Pole and the that equator, makes which makes sense, a lot yeah. more sense. Yeah. And there they have the force to turn Earth, you know, ocean currents and hurricanes. Uh, but the diff, you know, the the small difference between one side of the equator and the other is is not um, anything that is noticeable. The Metacoriolis Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, there's a band name for you. There's a bluegrass That's band. A <laughs> That's a bluegrass science band right there. So maybe there. the secret is we do have to inject one non-scientific word. Maybe that's the yeah. formula. Duh, you yeah, take two it's science three words. words. It's you know three words, two science words, and then just something else like juice box or you know yeah, like anything a, dragon, something <laughs> random. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I have to write up this this algorithm. Maybe I'll have it tweet out or something. Yeah, and then people can vote on it. A dream of mine, uh, if if anybody would find it, uh, would be to work on artificial intelligence of humor creation. So, yeah, we had a guest, Heather uh, Knight. Yeah, Heather Knight is she studied that. Uh, I'd love to work with you on it if you can figure, oh, have some yeah. ideas. I I love scary, that. dude. Don't yeah. do that. I don't want I know, robots yeah, taking my damn job. This is the problem. It's like comedians are like, See, are you uh, kidding? Like well, one thing that robots can't yeah, do right yeah, you now. Fuck it. I mean, well, it's, it's Okay, the, the point in which they will be able to do anything like that would be the point where they will be able to do everything. But the, the, uh, the, scary. the ideas I have, I guess, are in terms of how to uh, sort of combine human and, and machine intelligence uh, in order to to more quickly uh, uh, generate those jokes. So, so, you know, <laughs> the, kind of like a search engine. So you know what you're looking for and you kind of inter interact with it. Uh, so. That's scary to think. Yeah, yeah. no, no. Our, our but, parents' generation was, I'm tired of these immigrants taking our damn jobs. <laughs> My generation, I'm tired of these robots taking our damn jobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean that, that that's already the case. I mean the, the, you blame the immigrants, but it's more so that automation takes jobs than than uh, yep. than me. You're taking two jobs. You get rid of me. You get rid yeah. of me. <laughs> this damn immigrants <laughs> treating robots taking their damn jobs in our damn jobs. How am I supposed to compete with the damn robots? They're smart. I saw them in that Will Smith movie. I ain't that smart. <laughs> the last great bastion, the hiding place for robots, is a robot that complains about immigrants. And robots taking oh jobs. <laughs> I can't of, even do that. What? I'm tired of these like damn ever... Chinese robots taking our jobs. <laughs> like, hey, these Chinese robots will work for three cents a day. Automated no. Chinese yeah. prison labor. They will work for two batteries a day. Starts so complaining about things you didn't even know about. Like, it's yeah. cold in here. Well, shit, it is. <laughs> yeah, my hinges are rusting. When I went to the uh, manufacturing expo, um, <laughs> I, I got this inspiration because there was this person trying to show up, like, to demonstrate the robots to people. And it was just so funny because the robot was picking up a box and putting on a plate. And our palette, I mean, and it was supposed to be demonstrating this manufacturing thing that to replace with a human. But the person there had to keep reloading the thing for the robot <laughs> to load. Which defeated the entire purpose. I just, it had a flash. I was like, wow, like robots in the future's job will be to just keep people busy with like a pretend job that they're <laughs> they're completely incapable of doing, but they're going to be like this kind of condescending little parrot, you know, like, <laughs> no, you can move it. No, come on. Don't be, don't be like that. You can make cars too. Come on here. Here's a, a pretend car for you to make. Of course, that one's way too dangerous to make, but a, you're a robot this. in the kitchen. You're about to burn the cookies again, dumbass. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you don't really have to tr to go through all the training. You can just copy uh, copy a memory of another's robot's uh, childhood traumas. To do. <laughs> right to me, right. they all start from the same trauma. Although, again, this is where this oh, my comedians. I was molested as a young robot. Now I do comedy, <laughs> and you don't have to molest all of them. You can just copy their memory. Right. Less trauma yeah. overall. I was left in the, I was left out in the rain at three years old. <laughs> I got rusty. Someone cut my wires at a very young age. Now I tell jokes. <laughs> but this makes this brings up the randomness part. We're talking about creativity. We're talking about artificial intelligence. That is one of the things you need in artificial intelligence. You need randomness. And uh, and this is part of it. You need that with comedy too. Because you're talking about copying. Imagine we did a computer program that was really funny. Remember that Bart Simpson episode where he, uh, I didn't do it? Where, you know, he does it, it's hilarious, and it kills, and it kills. There's just a moment where we see the, the pattern in a formulaic comedy setup. Right. And so we can't just copy the same robots over, because the creativity itself is part of it. And I'm not saying robots can't be creative, but they need it to come from somewhere. It has Here's, to be deliberately yeah, yeah. injected Here on purpose, just... To make things spontaneous. Here's what like, a robot can yeah. never do. Now, I don't know if programming could... Uh, uh, That's a bold a claim. You I'm already going to say you're wrong. Just here, like here's starting here's what robots can do. They maybe in the future will be able to write, uh, formulate jokes that are funny. But to be able to read a room and play off an audience and do no, crowd no, work... That, that was the part that Heather worked on. Yeah. and She, and, and she wasn't so it, much yeah. into the writing the joke. She was writing the, the comedian, uh, the robot trying to read the room and then change its... 
tactics based right. on it. So I think Shed robots like a, can they, talk they can about do it, that. right? Shed like a TED talk of sorts yeah, about it? Yeah, yeah right. I think I've yep. seen it. But okay, okay. what yeah. robots can't do is they, they can't have the human experience and that's where we connect on stage to an audience. And a robot can't connect to a human being on that level because they don't have the human experience. You're you setting can, yourself that, up to get dumped for someone who's going to a robot like straight up out of her. Have you seen that movie? Great movie. Uh, I, that's that's what you said. Like, 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 you just can't make a connection with a robot, and then you're gonna now you're gonna you're gonna get dumped by someone who goes to a to, girl's gonna to, leave me for a robot. For a robot, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like she'll leave me like I'm sorry. Just I felt more of a connection. <laughs> <laughs> this is really programmed to have a great connection. <laughs> what was yeah. it? What was her name? Um, the with her starts with an S. Uh, girl. Oh, this is this is bothering me. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Jesus, oh my Scarlett. God. This Scarlett's is not so a common messed, name, though. This is so messed up. Like, I, I'm on the IMDb page. She's, like, the second main character, but I guess because it's voice, she's pushed down below all the people who actually appear in the movie. <laughs> That's so weird. So she's listed, like, 10th on here. Huh. That's such a, like, weird quirk. That's got to be, uh, like, SAG or something. SAG rules. Sag rules. Yeah, she didn't appear because it was a robot voice. You she only did voice work. <laughs> Just because she was talking for the entire movie. That was a really amazing movie, by the way. You uh, obviously haven't seen it. Have you seen it? It was on my to-do list to watch for a long, long time. The part that and made it amazing it. was how much of it is just like, we're going to point a camera at a guy's face and he's <laughs> just going to talk. Like The fact that worked as a movie was really huh. amazing. Yeah, thanks for reminding me to watch her. I, I, it's been, uh, I forgot that I was going to. That's a funny sentence. Thanks for this reminding me to watch Wars, her. So I'm like, might have done the watch list. That sounds like a weird, creepy sentence. Thanks for reminding me to watch her. Sounds like a shitty father. <laughs> oh shit! I also have a child. <laughs> that is, yeah, your man, your field of study is fascinating, and just, just kind of where creativity comes from and um I, you know and, and it's kind of like uh some people are better why do you think some people are better at uh, just being quick off the cuff than some people is it because they just have they're just that much better at comedy from experience they're that much smarter people that are typically witty and quick are typically intelligent but why do you think some people are quicker because kevin is not quick in the moment. It's amazing how not quick I am, yeah. actually. Yeah, it, he's clearly an intelligent person, mind. but he's not quick off the cuff. Why do you think he's way smarter than me, but I'm a lot quicker than I'm off the cuff? Why is that? Is that experience? It's a good question, you know. I, but but I do know that, that um, yeah, some intelligent people are, are really slow and, uh, it, like, have a really slow thought process. I think I tend to fall into this uh, category, and some tend to be, like, very quick. I've, uh, my biggest problem in academia has always been that I'm slow. Uh, me but, too. Yeah. That's funny. As a kid, but, you're like, your it, child's a little slow. Years later, PhD in nuclear no, physics. Yeah, no, that exactly is what happened. Yeah. Didn't they I mean, told a lot of it is I, the more tedious the activity is, the l- I feel like this intense revulsion huh. to the activity. Um, and I think like, isn't that? I think a lot of creative people and smart people have this problem where if you're not feeling like you come off slow if you're not getting the ideas that are actually going on out fast enough because they're distracting and they're chaotic at least for me they are um i just i you know i know a lot of smart people who are not chaotic they're organized they they know how to yeah. like do this and they 
they do a lot better in school. If you ever figure so. out a solution for that, let me know. I'm, I'm, I, have this, I feel like I have the same problem. Uh, I, would I would have accomplished so much more if I uh, was I, I think it's been the biggest hindrance to success in my life, actually. Is that. And, and here it is, doing it a comedy, too. I'm like, if anyone sees me on stage, I'll just... Totally, it's the oh, worst when he problem. Blanks I'll blank out. out. It's so like, funny, and I can't wait tonight. I'm I'm gonna see it again. Like I, it's particularly I, opposite for Griff because your whole style is just keep going, keep the energy going. Yeah. I'm just like guns blazing. <laughs> well, Kevin's doing my show in a couple hours, and I don't always watch comedians in there because I'm busy outside hanging out with my buddy. But I love watching his sets. I think you know because when he blanks out up there, it is so entertaining. It's painful for him. Keep that in mind. He's saying he loves watching my sets because they're painful. I mean, one cure for this specifically great. is, is <laughs> just great. It's probably the setlist show. Have you heard of the? Uh, it's, it's Troy Conrad's uh, baby. Basically, it's like improvised stand-up based on the most ridiculous topics, and, and you're supposed to pretend like, oh, I've been doing a, a set about obedience festival forever, and that's that. Um, you know, and then like, <laughs> obedience festival. We did that back when I started in Oklahoma, and you pull just a random word or term out of a bucket, and you no, got to do a set on that, and it, it's hard to do. Yeah, but I think his his topics tend to be even more, uh, in a way, I find that if something is more confined, it's almost it, it's almost helping because then yeah. you're, like, any kind of connection you would find between the two terms are going to be, the, the audience are going to sort of respond to this. It's, oh, yeah, you find a connection. If it's, like, yeah. food, that would be a lot harder right. than um, kale smoothie. Yeah. It'd be a lot easier to run with kale smoothie than just my food. solution to word hunger kale smoothie. And then you, you that you sounds can, like one of his topics. Uh, that would be great <laughs> to do with uh, science terms, also. Like that's something uh, Matthew Broussard would probably just love. You know, yeah. Like just like handed a random word, like <laughs> yes, to his random. Five, yeah, five minutes set, ten minutes set on yeah. the word. Yeah, it's like here we go. Just give him a term, linear algebra or something, and he could run with it. He'd probably get too into it and excited. This <laughs> is <laughs> a math major. Oh, by the, this is more sad news for the podcast. Matthew Broussard has moved to New York. No! Yeah. Yeah, He'll be it's back. okay. I mean, here we go. Jimmy's out of the picture right now. Not out of the picture, but busy. Matthew's gone. And we've got a killer episode right here, man. I, I This is no, fascinating we're doing great. stuff. Yeah. Some other news. Uh, today I went to... Uh, Pasadena had the... Just down the street from Planetary Society was the Space Expo. An expo I never knew I needed to go to, but I went to it. It was pretty awesome. Uh, I was hoping there'd be a lot more cool space stuff, and unfortunately there wasn't. Wow, at um, the space expo? Yeah, no, well, I it thought... It was they, actually thought, just like, a giant open space. I, I thought, like, SpaceX would have, like, a dragon capsule there or something, but instead it was actually much more pragmatic. It was like, no, this is a metal 3D printer, and there was, like, eight booths that were Bunch all of nerds <laughs> but it was like the stuff that is actually useful for uh for big you know doing space stuff but um what i got out of it was kind of what i knew already which is um i i was talking to somebody and i think i heard his feelings or something because i i i diss spacex a little bit you know we've done this on the show before i'm i'm that's okay i stand by it i'll take the heat for it um I, i'm not as excited for reusability like most people are i think it mm. is Definitely a huge accomplishment. It's cool to watch a spaceship land on a barge. That part I love. But I'm more excited about the fact that we, we will be able to make rockets for, like, almost nothing now. Because, mm. like, more and more parts 
are just being printed out by these things. Things oh, so that their usability becomes less. Uh, it becomes more about disposability because huh. a big part of rocketry is that you're you're really throwing out the fuel. You're not the rocket is yes you're throwing that out, but it's only the cost to put the rocket together. Material wise, it's not that huge a waste compared to the fuel you're also wasting. Um, and but the 3D printing isn't just good from that from a production throwing out point of view. It's also they they're making designs that were not physically ever possible before. Huh. Like rockets require these little intricate paths of cooling fluid to go through all of the structure, and they can 3D print that. And there's no there's no robot in the world that can machine that. You know you can't take a, a drill and make it go through a little tube. And by taking all that extra. Uh, taking all those steps out, the thing just gets lighter and lighter. Um, and an example is they can now use, they had a lot of demos of these where uh, you can take a computer and make a structure out of just the minimal amount of metal needed rather oh. than like normally when you see something, it's like it's a tube with a square, you know, and because that's the way people think and the way things are manufactured. But when you can just print any shape you want, you get these weird organic shapes that just look like they're from a space alien huh. you know like it, it looks like something straight out of science fiction where it's like 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 curved ligaments kind of connecting points and it's all from a computer program that just figured out oh that's the only metal you need you don't need anything wow. else and so you get these weird uh these weird shapes and everything and that's what like the future of uh you know space tech rockets is going to look like it's not going to it's not going to have the cylinder and cone and stuff like that it's gonna just all these weird little features kind of looking uh well it's instead, space of, instead of printing the rockets can we can we just print space and print space down here <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's easy to print space. <laughs> <laughs> well uh related to that it's kind of related Another exciting part about the 3D printing of metal is uh, we don't have to launch everything. Like, it's really... They've done some experiments where they can take oh, right, the metals yeah. in an asteroid. Like, a normal asteroid has iron, magnesium, stuff like that. Mm. They've taken that kind of metal, ground it up, and put it into a 3D printer. So you can basically so fly a wow. 3D printer to an asteroid and, 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 use, uh, and use that printer to print a joke robot on that asteroid. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> open a comedy club. <laughs> asteroid comedy club. Right next to the dance club neutrino noise floor. <laughs> and, and if you want to get more robots, you don't even have to print them. You just tell the robot it's a bringer show. And then <laughs> SpaceX is up there. <laughs> SpaceX is up there. Uh, uh, Right. Elon Musk is is right, he's 3D the only printing. customer. He's like, yes. Elon Musk is three D printing Teslas on Mars. So when we actually have men land on there, like, dude, there's a bunch of there's a Tesla dealership here. What the hell is going on? Just Elon and and Trump and uh, I'm gonna say Kanye for some reason. Ooh, there's like those are the only customers on this thing. Ooh, you're stuck on a boat with Kanye, Elon Musk, and Trump, right. and they will allow one human comedian to come to headline once, but only if you send in your fMRI scan and you pass the test. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Trump, Trump just got back from your country. How did that go? Woo, you wore a yarmulke. Are you guys going to be sharing your secrets anymore? <laughs> he tried to molest your wall. My God. No, he was I actually... loved that video of when he said, I never said Israel. Yeah. And then I just, it like, 
Oh my god! Then yeah, awesome just couldn't like, bite his lip. Could almost burst out laughing. And then yeah, so your good. prime minister Jared Seeing Kushner Netanyahu's was watching. Is fun, is fun. <laughs> What's that? Seeing Netanyahu suffering is is, is awesome. It was worth whatever whatever disaster. Do you, do you guys hate him? <laughs> what? Do you guys hate Bibi? Um, enough people like him to vote for him, I guess. But, uh, but I yeah, I never like. He's been guy. there a while. He has that deep. You know, you know the funny voice. thing about about Netanyahu. You know how, how Trump sounds very dumb when he speaks to the American people? That's Netanyahu, the part of the Netanyahu sounds kind of like that. Not, not as really? dumb, but kind of like that That's when he really, speaks, to, like a when smart he speaks guy. to the Israeli people. But when he speaks in English to, to, the, to the media, he's fucking smart. And he's been to MIT. He has a degree from MIT That's and all so that weird. shit, right? So maybe he's he has a degree it. from MIT? Yeah, and and and, and he's so, supposed to be a pretty smart guy. Yeah, he's so, sharp. so it seems like it seems like the dumbness but you know, sells. I but feel you like know, Trump does down. that too. Yeah. Like you can go back and watch any video of Trump. He sounds like a normal person. If yeah. you go back ten years, he has a conversational voice. This whole yeah. thing is like uh, it's a style. No, well, they talk about in a lot of psychology studies of when you're trying to gain power, you bring it down to a one instead of speaking at a ten, so yeah. the people Especially can relate. Especially when to everybody's dumb as elitist. shit in this country. Yeah. People are yeah. dumb as shit in this country. Yeah. I mean, like, not our perverted listeners, but <laughs> most look, of the people look, in this country. When I grew country. up, when Gen X grew up, sounding smart was not a good way to make friends. That's only mm-hmm. like a weird thing that's happening right now. It was temporary. It was like I think it's slowly changing with uh, Gen Y. I guess who's the new Gen coming up? Homeland. Yeah. Well, they are kind of appreciating nerd culture and intelligence a little more. I yeah, think they everything are. goes in yeah. a cycle. But with my generation, it was like, dude, you're you sound like a nerd if you sound smart. And then yeah. now I think it's a lot of girls think it's sexy if you if you have a bookshelf yeah. in your apartment versus like I blame the internet. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you're not wrong. The Homeland generation just, you know, I see, I watch my kids and stuff. They're so amazingly not messed up. I mean, I'm not saying my kids personally are not messed up, but like, it's, it it really looks like it would have been a lot more pleasant to grow up now than than what I did. But maybe no, it'll no, turn no, out dude. boring. I don't know. Maybe you need none of them going to be funny. That's for sure. So be like. Hey, I gotta tell you about my parents. They were uh, fine. Your first president was Trump. I think there's a good chance <laughs> you could end up being funny. Your first president was a reality TV star with fake golden hair. I don't know. This could be interesting. And then The Rock is gonna be their second president. <laughs> right? We're going- it's so weird how At- that just seems okay now. No. It's like, yeah, whatever. That seems like a good choice. Why Ironically not? enough, I think our next president very likely could be a comedian. Al Franken. Yeah. I think he has a very good chance of being president. I think he's going to run 2020. He, uh, comedians are more powerful than people realize. You got Chuck Schumer and Al Franken coming out being major heads of the you know the opposition DNC. party. And Chuck Schumer is Amy Schumer's uncle. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Uncle. Is he funny? It's just, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dude, one of the heads of the... But it's just weird. It feels like there's... Like some sort yeah. of comedian revolution. Well, happening. one of the heads of one of the biggest political parties in Italy, uh, Beppe Grillo, Italian comedian first. Um, the mayor of um, Reykjavik, Iceland, was a comedian. The president currently of Guatemala is a, is yeah, a that, comedian. Yeah, is, like is any of them good? Were any of them good comedians? I've heard no. They were professionals. Like they made a living at it, and yeah, were, no. they, they, that's how they Come got on, into Al power. Was, he that, was funny, but I mean, he was not like a rock star comedian. No. 
did. But he these guys got into skit. power in the other countries because they were already famous off of comedy. Because Hitler That's... was a bad painter, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if you if if, if you're good at, at, I think at your a good art. Point. Uh, yeah. Are you are no, you still gonna it, go to? Yeah, if Hitler would have like gotten into art school, you know, maybe it would have been a different turnout. But. Um, yeah, Stephen no. Colbert could for sure be yeah, a president. Stephen Colbert could run. He's a very sharp guy. Um, but in in Eddie Izzard's running for mayor of London, I think next year or this really? uh, this year or something. Oh. But the point is, a comedian does what a politician does. He sits around all day and analyzes what's wrong with people and society and tries to come up with solutions. That's what a politician and right. a comedian does. I so, think a really good prospect would but, be some sort of comedian scientist. Yeah, you know. <laughs> huh. that's yet to been do, to be done. Uh, but impossible. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> that's, that's like scientifically impossible. <laughs> I've seen or that. Hilariously impossible. <laughs> it's in, on the next episode of Neutron Lifetime, <laughs> Kevin does the improv space and blanks out and forgets how to speak English for five minutes <laughs> until everyone leaves, <laughs> and then asks Griff when he can do another one of his shows immediately. <laughs> 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 and says it was the crowd's fault. <laughs> says they were terrible and didn't get his smart jokes that he forgot to tell. <laughs> well, Ori, thank you for being on the show. It's yeah, been really fun. Me. Very excited Toda about your research. For coming. I love the yeah. vow. Yeah. And other Hebrew words. Yeah. <laughs>